Costs to originate keep rising, even with more technology in the industry. The problem is the core platform. A new LOS can re-architect the process around data, not humans moving paper files. Vesta has built this LOS, and you can learn more at Vesta.com. Welcome, everyone. It's been a dramatic couple of days for the economy, with bond yields rising and the Fed widely expected to raise rates this week. So we've invited our lead analyst, Logan Motoshami, back on Housing Wire Daily to give us an update. Logan, welcome back to the podcast. It is great to be here. Hey, we, we were just doing this recently, right? So uh, I know there's, there's a lot going on this morning. So again, uh, economics never sleeps and things can change so fast. So uh, we are here again. We are because I wanted to get you on. I've seen so much about the 10-year yield. Uh, lots going on there. And I know that's your baby. You love talking about the 10-year yield. I was like, who better to guide our audience about what's going on from a macro level than to get you on, talk about the 10-year yield, talk about inflation, talk about the inverted yield curve. So have at it. Tell us what's going on with the 10-year yield this morning. Well, the 10-year yield has broken above uh, the 2018 levels. I think th- three and a quarter percent was... Uh, the high back then. We're at currently right now. We're at three point three three percent, and you know, with the hot inflation data that came out on Friday, uh, the markets are kind of pricing in maybe a little bit more than normal aggressive Federal Reserve response. And what it has done is it has inverted the yield curve uh, once again. And when we talk about the inverted yield curve, it's actually one of the six recession red flags. Um, I've been on inverted yield curve watch since November of 2021. Uh, that caught a few people by surprise because it was early, but you know, considering what was about to happen, you know, an inversion risk is is in play. Very similar to what I did in 2018, when the last time uh, some of the yields inverted back then. Uh, I don't believe the 10-year yield can really break away uh, like it uh, maybe does traditionally. So when things get weaker in the economy, <clears throat> yields would invert. Uh, if we look at historical data where inflation is right now, where where growth uh, used to be, the 10-year yield in theory only should be a lot higher. I don't believe in that premise. Um, and I my evidence is we're sitting here in 2022. We already had the hottest economic growth in a long time. That growth is slowing. We've had the hottest inflationary data in many decades, and the 10-year yield is at still 3.33%. So the two-year yield had, got, had picked up as well. So we're, we're, we're talking about inversions and what stage we are in the economic cycle. But in regarding for housing now, um, the bond market going up so fast, uh, the mortgage-backed security market is stressed, uh, rates are going up faster, uh, than traditional uh, uh, bond yield moves. So this is all. This is going to create more of a damaging hit to home sales, because if I talk about you know in the summer of 2020 that the housing market will change once the 10-year yield gets above 1.94 percent. Okay, now you're above three. Okay, you got some damage there. Uh, and every time yields and mortgage rates go up, you lose more and more of the marginal. Uh, home buyer. What it does create, though, is that over time it should create more inventory. And I think a, a, a good a good uh, um, example is the last time mortgage rates and bond yields had gone up this aggressively 
was in the mid 1990s. Uh, we had the uh, 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 recession back then. Mortgage rates actually were heading toward 10% back then. Uh, inventory levels were like from 1.5 million and got to two and a half million uh, back then. So mortgage rates uh, will impact demand. When demand gets impacted, supply tends to rise, really simple. Uh, um, but it's real authentic demand weakness. And that's what we're seeing right now. And we should see more of it as rates go up. At some point in the future, when the economy actually shows recessionary data, the bond yields traditionally will fall back down. Uh, the Federal Reserve will be less aggressive. Uh, their language will be less aggressive. And uh, that'll be a completely different marketplace. But as of now, because of that hotter inflation data, and it's really energy and food prices, uh, shelter inflation is picking up uh, the rate of growth, but uh, there's limits to how much uh, core inflation can really go up higher. Uh, but the energy story is the story and the uh, food prices are a story as well. And I don't believe the Federal Reserve can do much there because traditionally what happens is that the dollar gets stronger when the Fed uh, starts to raise rates. The dollar is super strong today, right? Uh, all those cryptocurrencies are falling, but King Dollar, everybody comes to us. That's why I like to do the King Dollar tweets. Um, so uh, there's chaos in the marketplace. And when you have chaos, credit stress shows itself and the Fed doesn't have your back, right? Because the Fed, so that's that's the situation we are this morning uh, uh, and bond yields have gone up and people are pricing in 75% rate hikes now, uh, Doesn't depending on when they do it. And until the Fed or the data pivots, we're in this tug of war. Uh, and it's it's interesting to see that you know, we have a, a camp of people that says we're going into a recession and the Federal Reserve talks about, no, the data is still strong. It's, it's true. Uh, you don't have typically recessionary data when you have positive sales, productions, production data, uh, employment data and income. Typically, those things fall into a recession. So the, the first quarter GDP was negative, but though all those data lines were positive. So in the Fed's eye, they think, hey, listen. The labor market is still fine. We have to fight inflation. So there's this very unique tug of war that's going on between market participants who are actually saying the Fed is creating a recession uh, and they're going to be too late. And the Federal Reserve saying, well, we're really going to fight inflation, which means we need you know, a higher unemployment rate, uh, uh, wages to not go as fast. And that's where we are right now. We're in that tug of war. And we are recording this on Monday morning. And I think the Fed meets tomorrow, so we will when when this comes out. So we will see shortly what that rate hike looks like. Yeah. So the decision, even if it's fifty or seventy-five basis points, it really, it really depends on where energy prices go because energy prices are an input cost. So uh, if it goes into your business model, you're going to have to raise prices or you're going to eat it. So that's 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 the uniqueness. And I think when we look at in 2022. Um, you know, part of the 2022 forecast was that if global yields can rise, you know, the 10-year yield could get above 1.94%. Well, we kind of were doing that. Then the Russian invasion happened. And then the bond market and mortgage market just took off. I mean, after that event. And I'm sympathetic to the people that say, well, this wouldn't have happened if, if there was no invasion of Ukraine. I, I, I still believe rates would have 
headed up higher, maybe not in the speed or the velocity. But as long as oil prices are doing this, think of it as inflation is going to be sticky just because of the input cost of uh, of businesses, especially air. I mean, travel is getting really expensive again. Uh, uh, you're seeing so much uh, airline inflation that, you know, even some of my Wall Street friends were complaining about, you know, uh, uh, air flight uh, uh, costs. So we're just in this very inflationary environment and consumer sentiment, the Michigan consumer sentiment is at all time lows. And yet people are spending. So one way to explain this is that people, people spend on stuff every day, but that doesn't mean they have to be happy about it. So the question is, when does the economic data get to recessionary? When does the Fed pivot? When does bond yields come back down? Uh, how does that impact housing? That's the next stage of the conversation when we get there. But as of right now, that hotter inflation data uh, really took the bond market higher and it's creating credit stress in the market. The mortgage-backed security market, uh, as we could see, uh, didn't have any bids on Friday. So we're dealing with that. And all that means is that Home sales trends will keep on going lower. Uh, so you keep an eye on mortgage purchase application data on a year over year basis. As long as that's keep on going negative, sales will fall. And the builder's confidence should get worse. That's coming out this week as well. The builder's confidence is a very efficient uh, confidence index in terms of its relationship to the, to the business cycle and to the housing construction industry. So if that keeps on going lower, you go with it, even though it's on a historically high level, if you look at it in that context, it's a rate of change survey, run with that until it reverses. Uh, uh, and we have valid reasons, you know, not like last year, last year, you know, it was heading lower just because we were working from an artificial high after the COVID-19 recovery data. Here, rates are up, sales are going down. Don't make it any more complicated than that. Okay, well, in in the spirit of keeping it not complicated, how high are rates going to go? Well, this is this is the interesting aspect. There's such a big spread between mortgage-backed securities and the 10-year yield and, and rates that uh, until that market cools down, uh, you know, we talked about this just a few weeks ago about you know 5.875 to six and a quarter. You know, uh, if the spreads go out wide based on let's say a three and a quarter percent ten-year, we're kind of there. So it, it, it depends on if the 10-year yield keeps on pushing higher, boy, you could keep on going up, up and up. The question is, does the, can the economy take that? And where does the credit markets go? I don't believe the economy can handle higher rates. So I'm not into the super growth camp. Uh, the last time I had four of my six recession red flags upwards, 2006, and the other two came that year as well. So that's the turning point. I know a lot of people are looking at 2018. This looks a lot like 2018. You know, oil prices were rising, um, but the Federal Reserve, that was a different marketplace, right? Uh, we actually have more economic damage uh, happening currently than we did in 2018 in housing. And an example I use is in 2018, purchase application data was only negative three weeks of the year, very slight, like 2%, something to, to that nature. Here we have negative year-over-year -year data, uh, legit negative year-over-year -year data down 16.5%. And the Fed is not even talking about that at all, really. They acknowledge that real estate is, is slowing down. So it's a much different marketplace. We actually need to see authentic real production going down, real sales going down. 
uh, leading economic index going down. And maybe over the next six months, at least I think some of that data will be more apparent. Then the bond market, then the mortgage rates, and then the Fed will pivot. But if we look at where inflation is right now, the 10-year yield should be a lot higher, but it isn't. So we're dealing with this tug of war. And as long as the inflation data looks like this, uh, uh, it's it, it, it could keep on pushing higher. It's when the economic data starts to fade. And I just don't, I just don't believe we're that kind of economy uh, uh, to push along higher. Production will be good. Sales, real sales are still holding up, but it it, beca- it takes a bite when you get hit on the inflationary side and then you get hit on the credit side. So a good example I could say to the Federal Reserve is the Federal Reserve doesn't understand why consumer sentiment is so bad. So when somebody like a one of the Fed governors, James Bullard, says the economy is very strong, and then Janet Yellen says, I don't know why uh, 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 people are so sour. Well, look at it in this side. You get hit on the inflationary data, and now you're getting hit on the cost of credit, both at the same time. So if the Federal Reserve doesn't understand why people are not cheery, <laughs> yeah, guess what? You're now hitting them on both sides. And even though the labor market, unemployment rates are low, job openings are high, uh, everyone is a consumer, right? Not everyone is a worker, but everyone in the net is a consumer. So now you get hit on both sides and everybody's talking about a recession. So you can see the context of of what's going on here on the sentiment factor. Uh, And people have to spend every day. You know, you have to buy food, you have to buy gas. You know, it's just that you don't have to like it. And I think that's the that that'll make sense of the consumer sentiment indexes versus the real sales index, because, you know, Q1 real sales were positive. Production was positive. Job reports were positive. But the cost. Right. And now you're getting hit on both fronts. Let's talk a little bit about your recession model, because recession is on everyone's mind. So you, you keep saying four of six flags. Can you talk about what those four are, what the last two are and, and what your timeline might be? So the the first four are the, my recession model is a progression model. It's never designed to actually ever stop. It's just designed to kind of go into a recession and out. So the first one was, you know, unemployment rates get to a certain level. For me, it was 4%. The second one was the Federal Reserve starts its rate hike uh, process. Uh, that's already done. The third one is the inverted yield curve. I know, uh, you know, being early on that, but if you look at my historical work, I was early in the previous expansion for the same reason I was here. Uh, that's an economic expansion getting to a more mature stage. The fourth one is, where's the overinvestment? Where's the overheating demand? Durable goods, spending, retail sales, booming. What's coming down? Goods purchasing is coming down. Companies are starting to mark down items. They have too much inventory. So when you have too much inventory, you have too much product, when you don't need enough workers, then you start laying people off. The Peloton example is always the one I use. Uh, so we found that overinvestment cycle. Uh, we really didn't have any in the previous expansion. That's one of the reasons why the expansion was so long and we'd still be in this expansion right now if it wasn't for COVID. Um, but now the last two are always the most important. Uh, housing typically fades into every recession, new home sales and housing starts. Uh, the leading economic index, a component of 10 different variables, we actually uh, uh, wrote that in, in, in our last jobs article to actually explain to people what are we looking at. 
that typically falls four to six months into every recession. So you have two data lines that going out in the next six to eight months have the potential to fall. And this is why I always say that the last time I had four out of six recession red flags was in 2006, right? So 2006 and then the next uh, two came out, the the job loss recession actually happened uh, in 2008. Uh, so, so I'm more mindful of this, uh, especially over for the second half of the, uh, uh, of the year. Because if you look at economic cycles, rates kind of spike up right before kind of the uh, economic expansion ends. That's the similar uh, um, a take if you look at previous expansions and recessions. So my eyes are open out there, very clear on what the last two ones are. Uh, housing starts in new home sales are so close for me. We're raising the recession red flag on that one. Haven't done it yet. Leading economic index, you could see that this could be uh, uh, getting weaker over the next six to eight months. So my eyes are open on that. And once that happens, then I go on recession watch. It's a whole different conversation uh, when that happens, uh, but we're not there just yet. But you can see, you can connect the dots, right? I'm always a believer in connecting the dots, be the detective, not the troll kind of. And then you could correlate it to historical data. And the only thing that changes if there's some variable shock like COVID-19 was the variable shock. You know, we were still in expansion. We don't necessarily have a COVID-19. We have a an event. The invasion of Ukraine created a, almost a commodity war right now. Uh, so we adjust to that variable. And, and I think a lot of people have already done that. So it's, it's going to be more interesting in the second half uh, 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 of 2022. So, you know, you said it's not like the COVID-19, but it does feel like a rapid change this year because of some of those macroeconomic factors and political factors, right? So, I mean, typically you could see these things coming from a long way away, but we've had a couple of things happen that you really couldn't see coming. Well, you know, if for housing, you know, um, I mean, I, I, I didn't need five to six percent mortgage rates to cool the housing market out. I just needed rates to get above four percent. Uh, so now that it's higher, naturally, demand goes lower. Uh, the new home sales sector gets impacted by higher rates even more. So there's your fifth recession red flag flagging itself. Rates are even going up higher. So uh, that'll eventually occur. The leading economic index, manufacturing data, there's some things in there, new orders. Um, again, if you if you look at that, it, it looks like you could get a path to that red flag being raised later on this year. But what I can't do is what I see a lot of people do is say Q1 was negative GDP. No, that's you don't flag that as a recession. I mean, I joke with some of my friends who I say that you can't have a recession when you have positive sales, production and employment data. That'd be like the first time in history. So uh, if you're looking for Q2 GDP being negative, oh, it's a recession. Well, it'd be the first time ever we had a recession and jobs being created. Oh, and and this is the political ideological takes of people, right? You know, they just they're people have become professional troll artists, you know, since 2008. So they're just, you know, their ideological takes takes over. But when these data lines get weaker, you got it, right? That's how it's always worked uh, uh, for many decades. Um, but the rate factor is a material change, not because of just the rate itself. It's because of the home price growth that uh, has occurred since 2020. Uh, if home prices just grew at three percent a year, you know, twenty 2020 twenty or twenty twenty one, it wouldn't it wouldn't wouldn't have been that much of a big deal. But it didn't 
it became a savagely unhealthy aspect of housing and we have to pay the price for it. That's, those are the rules. When prices get too high and demand falls, prices you know, have to correct, right? You have to get to a certain level. So one of the two components have to change. Either prices fall down or mortgage rates have to fall down. Well, guess what? None of them are happening this year. <laughs> They're both going up together and hence the savagely unhealthy housing market and inventory levels are still too low. We need more inventory to create balance. I also think you're talking about a, um, you know, a very data driven idea of what a recession is. And a recession is, I mean, it, it's a data line that we can look at, right? But how people feel about that, to your point earlier about the sentiment index, can be very, very different. If people are paying so much yeah, it's, it's, yeah, there's, there's, it's, 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 I, when you look at the Michigan Consumer Sediment Index, it's below the COVID lows by a lot. It's below the great financial recession, except unemployment rates are low. Uh, nobody's foreclosing on their house. So you have to think as a human being and not as economists, why are people so sour? Because the things they are buying cost more and nobody likes that. <laughs> you just you just have to keep it as simple as that. So the economic data doesn't warrant it. And that's why I tell people don't use survey data, uh, sentiment indexes, unless you have hard data to back it up. Uh, so there's this massive queue. Why are people spending? Oh, they, they're spending. They have to spend. They're just not happy about it. Right. So there's nothing wrong with that. That's being very human. Looking out, you know, you, you talked about how you don't think that um, you think that there's a natural factor that's going to limit the growth of interest rates, specifically mortgage interest rates. So, for instance, when people are hearkening back to like, um, you know, when you think of energy crisis, you think the 70s. When you think inflation, you think the 70s. We were looking at um, mortgage rates in the teens in the 70s. Do you feel like this is more of a, oh, it's going to hit eight, it's going to hit 10, it's going to hit teens? Like, do you have that sort of level in your mind about this is how high things could go? So here's the difference between the 70s and now. Uh, the 10-year yield was noticeably rising with inflation. Uh, the 10-year yield is not noticeably rising with inflation. Inflation growth limits have, have inflation rate of growth has limits. Now you could say that what if we have World War III? What if what if Russia and China both together decide to well China will invade Taiwan and Russia will blockade the you know food exports and we're going to have you know food riots everywhere. Okay, that's that's a material change, but that's also something the 10-year yield I mean the the Federal Reserve can only do so much on some of these inflationary data. They can impact housing, but you know the dollar being stronger usually would handle uh, energy. It's not doing it this time around. So there's there's only so much you can do and I would argue if we were going to have a 1970s mortgage market or 10-year yield, the 10-year yield would be so much higher than what it is right now. The mortgage market would be so much higher than it is right now. It's not doing it because it doesn't really believe the U.S. economy can be that strong, right? You can grow yourself, you know, into those levels, but not here. We, we just we just don't have that kind of economy to grow. So when people say, well, mortgage rates can get up to 10, 12, 13 percent or something, boy, they're really bullish. They are really bullish on the U.S. economy. I, I'm not that bullish. I just don't think the economy can handle that. It, we're, it's a much different type of uh, 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 economy than what we've had in the late 70s, too. So a uh, different backdrop. And that explains why the 10 year yield still is. I mean, we're just we're basically at 2011 levels right now. 
Uh, we're nowhere near in the previous expansion when, uh, uh, I mean, uh, uh, before the Great uh, Recession happened, yields were higher then, yields were higher in the 90s. So uh, it, it, the velocity of the inflationary move, when things go parabolic, they can't really sustain themselves. So we see the growth rate of core CPI falling, but the headline data is. And eventually it, 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 it takes a bite of the economy. And I think that's why the bond market is still at these levels today and nowhere near than what we saw, like in the, uh, especially in the, in the 90s or even the late 70s or 80s. And that's why I don't believe in that premise. I don't believe the U.S. economy is that strong to, to warrant those kind of bond yields or rates. Well, that's good news for people in housing who do not want to see those kind of mortgage rates come back. Yeah, you know, the housing situation is so, it's unique in a sense because on one hand, you know, being team higher rates to create balance. And then on the other hand, knowing that team higher rates means production levels are going to go down or pause, uh, sales are going to go down. And, you know, it's, we just got in a really bad spot with inventory. And uh, we talked about that, you know, in that article in the recent podcast. And it's an unfortunate reality, but we we definitely paid the price uh, for having vertical pricing and inventory breaking to all time lows during this period. And right now, the the reason I, uh, you know, talk about higher rates is to try to create some kind of balance because uh, we're still seeing home price growth levels on a year over year basis. That only changes when inventory grows. And we just had a savagely unhealthy two-year period on home price growth. And it's it's difficult, right? There's no there's no easy solution to this. Uh, uh, but I, I believe deep down inside the Fed is probably, yeah, inventory is rising. We need that to happen. There's nothing else they could do. The homes can't even come on the market that are even under construction. And, and they wouldn't really impact things as much as people think. So tough spot. We just got in a very tough spot. Um, you know, the recovery was very fast. Fortunately, there's no Great Depression or anything, but there's an aftermath effect of having uh, this kind of uh, economy and this kind of recovery. And, you know, we talked about this in 2021, you know, about trillions of dollars being spent when the economy's standard again. Uh, could that push rates over 5%? Uh, uh, and we're here right now uh, today uh, w- with that uh, reality. And there's limits to how much we can grow. And there's limits to how much core inflation could grow, but energy, food prices, different variable. Do you have any idea about when you're doing your recessionary model? And I've asked you this a lot, but it, so say your six flag, red flags are up, we're in a recession. Does any anything in the run up to the recession tell you how long the recession's going to last? Well, you want to look at, you know, I mean, recessions typically don't last that long like they used to. The great financial crisis it was a consumer debt deleverage recession. Uh, this would be much different. Uh, if bond yields fall, the, the Fed, I mean, the, the market's already pricing in like future rate cuts already uh, going out to 2023 and 2024. So um, the recession wouldn't be deep in that sense. I think the, the, the industries that need credit to keep their business going, if credit tightens up, those sectors to me, are at risk of not only like getting fired of just those companies going out of business because they can't fund themselves anymore. Uh, That's a risk. But the general public, I mean, it it would be it would be a mild recession. Uh, Job openings are still high. The baby boomers are leaving. I think there's that's a big difference uh, that people don't appreciate. 
uh, every month people leave the marketplace and they need to be replaced, right? Uh, so the labor situation is different. Uh, and what you don't want to see is you don't want people leaving the construction industry and then hoping they would come back. Um, it's, it's, it's difficult, especially for men when they get laid off, you know, and then they have to move, you know, they don't, sometimes they don't have to, they come back to that same job. Uh, so the, the labor market is much different than let's say 2008, 2008 job openings was at 2 million. We're here at 11.4. So the recession shouldn't be some big Titanic event, like the consumer credit, uh, bubble to leverage. It should be fairly mild, much like we saw after the tech bubble burst, um, two and a half million people lost their job in relationship to the total workforce. Most people are always working. And we always have to remember that because if we don't, we get into this crazy mode that most people aren't working. Most people are always working. That was the mistake that people made during COVID. Uh, we, most people were working and things recovered. We gave money to people that weren't working and the economy just roared right back. Um, so I don't, I don't see a massive consumer credit deleverage that would need to occur like we saw after the 2008 uh, uh, recession. So appreciate you jumping on for a second time this week to just give us that update. And I know that actually you're doing a lunch and learn, right, on Wednesday, that people can who are HW Plus members can actually ask you questions directly in Slack. Um, and so if people want to become HW Plus members, that's our premium membership program. That's how you get all of Logan's work, almost always, um, at housingwire.com. And you can jump in the Slack and ask Logan your questions directly. That's always a great time. And that's on Wednesday. Yes, the Q&A Slacks, the, the Q&As are getting more and more interesting. And that that you could tell, you know, th things, you know, st stability breeds instability. So when it's boring, not much and not many good questions are asked. But now when you're a little bit of a, in, in, uh, not a stable marketplace, the questions get more and more interesting and the answers get, you know, more and more fun to answer because you're dealing with all new variables. And like all nerds, we always like new variables into the equation. Well, thank you so much for being on, Logan. Appreciate you. And we'll see you again soon. Thank you, Sarah. have the 2022 housing market forecast changed? Or how is the industry navigating the shift to a purchase-driven market? HousingWire's premium content program, HW Plus, answers questions like these and offers a variety of member-exclusive benefits that are tailored to what you need to stay competitive and agile in today's fast-paced market. Go to housingwire.com forward slash membership to join today. With your HW Plus membership, you get access to longer-form digital content, the HousingWire magazine, member-exclusive rates to in-person events like HousingWire Annual, and more. Thanks for listening to HousingWire Daily. If you haven't already, we'd love for you to take a minute to rate the show and leave a comment. And make sure to tune in tomorrow for more news and insight.